Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. Certainly great to see everybody this morning. The herd thinned out a little bit. What happened, man? Looked up and everybody left. Oh, it is great to be here at Rock House Baptist Church this morning. And uh, yeah, praise the Lord. A few people have commented on the way I'm dressed today. Please, don't. I've said don't get used to it. It's not my style. I'm only dressing up for two precious little girls, okay? It was, it's hot already, so I'm taking that jacket off, if that's okay. Well, this morning we want to start a new theme. Uh, you realize Easter is about a month away. And it's, it's coming up on us quick. And Easter is a big deal. It's a big deal for the church. Uh, I don't know if, how many I don't know how many people here today were with, with us last Easter at the 911 center, but we had gosh, close to 300 people come to Easter service. Easter service is a big deal for a lot of folks, and I know we get accused a lot of times about you know well they're they're so focused on the numbers. It's all about them. They got posters of baptism numbers, and they like them numbers. Well. No, we like people. We love people. That's the thing. People just, we have to count people a lot. And we, I know we focus on that. We talk about how many can we baptize this year. Maybe we'll break 50 baptisms. I think that's a feasible goal. I think we're well on our way. Can we break 300 for Easter? How many kids coming to Bible school? All this stuff. I want to take a step back. And over the next several weeks, I want you to focus. Every Christian, every person in the church, focus on one. Not five, not 30, not 300. Just one. In your bulletin, there was a little insert. It asked this question, who's your one? It is good stuff. It says, take the time to read over that. I'd rather you you not do that right now. but uh, (laughs) Take some time to read over this. It'll tell you what we're talking about with this theme, who's your one. It's a theme that comes down... uh, Sometimes the conventions and the organizations come up with good things. Sometimes they don't. This time they hit the nail on the head, and we're going to run with it because it is awesome. And we got a video from the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, Mr. J.D. Greer, explains about what who is your one. Numbers. We live by numbers.
few weeks ago I asked everybody that had somebody in their family or somebody close to them that was lost to stand. And I think essentially everybody in the church stood at their feet and acknowledged there's somebody, at least one person in my family or my small circle of influence that is lost. Today we're taking that a step further. I'm going to ask you to do something about it. Who's your one? If you could reach one person, who would it be? And we're going to talk about how we do that, why we do that. We're going to look at some examples from Scripture about people doing that. We're going to start this campaign, and essentially it goes like this. First thing you have to do is identify your one. Some of you know. Some of you have never thought about Is there really one, is one person that's in my circle that's lost? There is. Pick them out. And I know there's probably a lot more in our circles that's lost. But narrow it down and say, okay, until they're saved, I'm going to focus on one. Then I'm going to ask you to pray about it, okay? I, I believe prayer changes things. I believe that people have gotten saved because we've asked God to save them and to, and to draw them to Him. And if you're serious about praying for that one, I have a 30-day prayer guide for you. And what this takes you through day by day for the next 30 days, guess what? That almost gets us to Easter. <laughs> Isn't that cool? What if everybody's one come across the stage on Easter Sunday and said, I'm giving, I have given or I'm giving my life to Christ. But now listen, I've only got so many of these printed out, and we can print more if we need them. But here's the deal. This sounds weird. I've tried to figure out how's the best way to say this. There ain't no good way. If all you're going to do is pray, and I, please do. This, this, this sounds weird, doesn't it? If all you're going to do is pray, then, then pray. You don't have to have a prayer guide. But if you're going to pray and put legs to your prayers, then come and get one of these prayer guides. We pray because we have faith, right? We have faith that God hears our prayers and He's going to answer them. We have faith that God can do unbelievable things. But the Bible also says faith without works is dead. If you're going to really pray for a lost person and do something about it, in addition to praying, here's an example. Day 11 says, God, I need boldness in order to share the gospel with blank. Now that's not just saying, God, I want you to send the preacher to talk to somebody. That's taking responsibility for that lost person, saying, God, I want you to use me. So I've got these prayer guides for you. And I encourage you, if you're willing to do this with me, Take one of these. Let's pray together for these lost people. And watch what God does. Third thing is, is of course, you identify them, you pray for them, and then you go after them. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to do something about it. Let's go get them. Let's go share your story. Share the gospel. And I know, listen, I get it. I've been there. I know a lot of people have never shared the gospel. A lot of people have never had a true gospel conversation, a heaven and hell conversation with somebody. So, here's my offer. If you can set up a meeting with that person, because I don't like cold calls, if you can set up a meeting with that person, myself and one of the deacons will go, not for you, but with you, to have these conversations with these people. Okay? I'm serious about this, man. I've told my group this morning, I'm just sick and tired of beating around the bush with people's souls and playing church and playing games when people are... We've got to stop acting like we don't believe there's a heaven and a hell. And that people are dying every day and going to hell. So this morning, I want to look at the example of, of Andrew. 
And I think he left. I was going to say Andrew Farmer, but I think he left on us. This is Andrew the Inviter. Andrew the Apostle in Scripture. Andrew is, man, what a set of lungs. I love that. It's a future worship team member right there. <laughs> Andrew is one of those characters that's not mentioned a lot in Scripture. Actually, he's only mentioned a very few times. But he was the brother to Simon Peter, who we read a lot about and we know a lot about. Church tradition calls Andrew the first called because he was one of the first that Jesus actually called. And the few times that we read about Andrew in the Bible, in the New Testament, guess what he was doing? He was bringing somebody to Jesus. What an example. Let's look at John 10, I'm sorry, John 1, 40 through 42. Just a couple verses this morning. John paints the picture very clearly. He says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John, that's John the Baptist, had said and who had followed Jesus. So they were with, they were, he was a disciple of John the Baptist and he heard John preaching about the coming Messiah. And he, Jesus shows up and John says something about Jesus. We'll talk about that in a minute. And, and Andrew and the other disciple go and follow Jesus. And then verse 41 says, The first thing Andrew did, <laughs> this is awesome, was to find his brother Simon and one, tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And 42, man, this is it. And he brought him to Jesus. So like I said, Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus, the one that said, uh, I'm the voice in the, in the wilderness crying and the, the Son of God is coming. And, and Andrew followed John the Baptist. Jesus comes. He meets Jesus. Through John, he goes and he follows Jesus. And immediately Andrew turns and he goes and he tells us, but he realized, man, there's something about this Jesus. I got to tell somebody. And who'd he go to? His own brother. He went and told Peter and brought Peter to Jesus. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about what this means for us. But before that, we got two fundamental truths. Before we can talk about all this who's your one stuff and, and going out and telling people about Jesus, I want to get us all on the same page. Two quick truths that we have to agree on about Jesus before we can go tell people about Jesus. And if we can agree on this, I don't care if if you're Baptist or Pentecostal or whatever label you want to put on yourself, if we can agree on this, we can go tell people about Jesus. All right, ready? First thing is, Jesus is the Savior. As, as, as Andrew said, he said, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Christ. We have found the Savior of the world, the one that has come to redeem all of us. We've got to agree, Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. John recognized this. Look just above this in the same passage, verse 26-27. John says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you don't know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Nazareth. That's hard to say. He's the Savior of the world. He's not just a great teacher. He's not just a good man. He's not a wonderful philosopher. Jesus is God's Son, and He's the Savior of humanity. 
In Acts, Peter goes on and preaches a message and he says very clearly there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. No other name. Jesus himself explicitly says, I am the way to God the Father and there's no other way except through me. Just like Brian talked about a couple weeks ago, there's no other way that's going to save you. Your good works won't save you. Religion won't save you. Somebody else's faith and their faithfulness to church, that won't get you in. That won't save you. Buddha, Muhammad, all these other religions, they won't save you. Even Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Phil won't save you. Jesus Christ is the only way you can be saved. It sounds like we can agree on point number one. Point number two says Jesus can save anybody. <laughs> Boy, that's good news, isn't it? You know what that means? That means there's not a single person in this room that has to go to hell. Nobody in this room has to die and spend an eternity in hell. Now, does that mean God won't send you there? It does. It means if you go, you choose to go there because you didn't choose Jesus Christ. But nobody has to go to hell. In this same passage, John is baptizing. John is preaching, and he looks up and he sees Jesus walking his way. You wonder what, just a picture of that scene. The one he's been preaching about. The one he's been telling everybody else about. And he looks up and he's coming across down by the Jordan River. And John looks up and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now what's John talking about? Why did John look up and of all the things to say, why did he call Jesus the Lamb of God? Well, the Israelites, the Jews, they understood, as the book of Hebrews teaches us, that there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. And over centuries, they had been shedding blood through the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. All these goats and all these rams and all these different animals were put to death, but it never was good enough. They kept having to do it and the people kept living in sin. John says here, behold is God's perfect lamb sent to die and to take away all of our sins forever, once and for all. Here's the one that will die on the cross and will wash away all of our sin. And not just our sin, but the sins of the whole world. So what's that mean for us? I believe that means just like we said, Anybody can be saved. Does that mean everybody will be? No, unfortunately. But everybody can be, can't they? Okay, I, I felt like we'd be a little more enthusiastic about that. Can, it, can anybody get saved? Can the Gentile get saved? Can the Jew get saved? White people can get saved? Black people can get saved. Religious people can get saved. Sinners can get saved. Can the drug addict get saved? Can the alcoholic get saved? Anybody can get saved. What about murderers and thieves and liars? Can they be saved? You better believe it. Jesus can save anybody. So we can agree on those two points, right? Jesus is the Savior and He can save anybody. Okay, let's move on. What's that mean for us? Let's talk about your one. Andrew, when he met Jesus, he immediately knew his one. Immediately, the Bible says. He, he knew right away. I've got to tell somebody. 
And I know who that somebody is. It's my dear brother Peter. They worked together. They, we know they had to be close. He loved him enough to go and tell him about Jesus. But not only tell him, but to bring him to him. So the first question for us, where do we start? With whom do we share? We're going to go through a series of questions this morning to help you understand what to do with your one. With whom do we share? Well, the first place we start is those closest to us. I'll call it your clan. <laughs> We're pretty clannish people in eastern Kentucky. Start with your family, your friends, those people that you know the best, your most inner circle. For Andrew, it was his dear brother. It could be your spouse. It could be your children. It could be somebody else in your family. Why is that? Well, one, you're around them more than anybody else. Jesus would probably say, well, that's your Jerusalem. You're already there. So start sharing there. The other reason for that is, who else is more responsible for that group of people than you? We don't like to talk about <laughs> being our brother's keeper, do we? Andrew got it. Then you move out a little farther. We'll call this your contacts. This is the people you know pretty well. Maybe you work with them. Maybe you're pretty good friends with them. Maybe it's somebody at church. Did you know that not everybody that comes to church is going to heaven? Wow. We've got to even share with people at church. And then you go out to a larger group, and that's people in your community. Sometimes you'll be out, and for whatever reason, God lays it on your heart. Hey, you need to, you need to say something to this person. You're like, God, I don't know this person from Adam, and I'm going to look like a fool, but i tell you what. When the Holy Spirit leads you, you better listen. And share, share the gospel, share the love of God with people in your community. Now, I know you're thinking, okay, that sounds great, but how do we do it? How do we share? Like I said, first thing you've got to do is pray. Pray, pray, pray. Have I ever told you that we need to pray? We've got to pray. We need to be a praying people. Prayer is the most powerful thing that we can do. We've got to pray for the lost people. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the field. Pray for that person. And then begin to invite. Invite them to church. Invite them to come and eat with you. Now, a church invitation is not this. But you know you need to get your family in church. We got church every Sunday. We're there every Sunday at 11. You need to be there. That's not an invitation to church. An invitation to church is like, I would love if you would come and go to church with me Sunday morning. And I tell you what, I'll even meet you in the parking lot at 10.55. I'll let you sit with me. And I tell you, if you'll come, we'll go out to eat after church. We'll go to Hardy's. And it'll be my treat if you'll come to church with me this week. Now, why invite somebody to church and not just go up to them and say, Man, you need to get, you need to get saved. Here's, I've got a statistic for that. <laughs> 85% of the people that will get saved will get an invitation to church. 85%. We've got to invite people to church. We've got to invite people to Sunday school and to our small groups and to our special events that we do. And then, the last thing, pray, invite, don't forget to share. If all you do is invite, you haven't shared the gospel. When I say share the gospel, I mean share the explicit gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody. The fact that, that they are a sinner 
separated from God and that they can be reconciled through Jesus Christ and that He died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead three days later. He's sitting at the right hand of God and He's coming back and there is a heaven and there is a hell and you've got a choice to make right now. That's the gospel. You've got... But we don't like to have those conversations and we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But we were down in Brazil, Dan and I, we were... Folks, we got to talk to so many people in that city. And we were having a conversation one day. A, a mother had invited us to come and talk to her and her son, mostly her son. She was concerned about him. And me and Dan would usually switch it up. One would take the lead, and the other would kind of sit back and interject as needed. And Dan was kind of leading this one. And, and if you don't know Dan, Dan is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in your life. And he's going through the Bible, and he's talking to this guy, and the I could see that the poor guy, just he was kind of confused about things. He'd probably been told a lot of different things about the Bible. And, and Dan was kind of being as kind as he was. And he was kind of skirting some of the more pressing issues. I said, Dan, can I, can I interject something? <laughs> it was almost good cop, bad cop. I have to be the bad cop. But we're afraid to do this because we're afraid that somebody will just shut down. I said, Alvarez... I said, I think we can settle this issue very quickly if you'll answer a couple of very difficult questions for me. He said, okay. And I said, listen, these are questions that we've all had to answer ourselves. And I said, the first thing is, do you believe, do you believe this book? Do you believe what, what this says, that this is God's word? He's like, I believe it. I believe every bit of it. I said, okay. So you believe there is a heaven and there is a hell. Oh, yes, of course I do. Okay, I said, well, here's the, here's the difficult question. I said, Alvarez, if you died today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? He slapped me in the face and kicked us out of his house. No, he didn't. He sat back and he said, he thought for a minute. He said, you know, in Portuguese, I think this is what he said. He said, that is a really difficult question and he paused and he said I'm I'm fairly sure if I died today I'd go to hell I said thank you for your honesty I said would you now allow the pastor that was with us would you now let him show you from God's word how you can be sure that you don't have to go to hell but you can go to heaven today he said yes I'd love to but we're afraid to ask those questions we're afraid to have those conversations so the question is why don't we share and I think more often than not, it boils down to we're afraid. We're afraid of something. First thing we're usually afraid for is that we don't know enough. Well, I just don't know. I don't have all that Roman road stuff memorized, preacher. I can't memorize verses. You don't have to. We say, well, I, I don't know, uh, you know what, what theology I've got to share to get somebody from going to hell and going to heaven. I just don't know enough. Listen, if you know Jesus, Jesus is enough. And what I mean by that is if you've experienced Jesus, the way that you need to share the gospel more than you need to quote a bunch of Bible is to say, listen, man, I was a lost person and bound for hell myself. And I don't know how it works, but I invited Jesus into my heart and something changed deep inside of me. And I felt a peace and a love like I've never experienced before. And I don't know how he changed me, but I do know if I died now, I'd be going to heaven. I'm going to live forever. And you can experience the same thing. If you can share that, 
then you can share the gospel. All right. And this was a big one for a lot of we Americans is we're afraid of rejection. We don't take being rejected very well unless you work at a call center and that's all you get is rejection. I don't know how they do that every day. But we don't like being pushed away. We don't like being told no. But man, what's the, what's the worst thing that can happen? They tell you to leave. They say, well, I'm just not ready right now. Remember, they're not rejecting you. They're ultimately rejecting Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, more often than not, you're not going to get rejected. People are hungry for the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Third thing we're afraid of, again, we Americans, we're so afraid of offending people. I'm so afraid if I tell somebody that they're a lost sinner bound for hell, I'm going to hurt their poor little feelings. Bless their heart. Listen, the gospel by its nature is offensive. It should offend you because it's offensive to find out that you are a filthy, rotten sinner separated from God for eternity and there's not a thing you can do about it. That's offensive. But it gets better. You don't have to leave them in that offended state. You share the rest of it, okay? You say, but God loved you enough that He demonstrated His love by sending His own Son and dying for you while you were still a sinner. That's the glorious part. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm about over worrying about offending people with the gospel. I, I'm just sick and tired of it. I would rather offend somebody with the gospel and get them into heaven than tiptoe around their feelings and watch them split hell wide open someday. You can tweet that on the Twitter page. It's the truth. As, a, as the church, we have got to get serious about serious matters. And there's nothing that's more serious in my book than somebody either going to heaven or going to hell. Alright, so, church, we've got to repent. We've got to repent of all of our excuses for not sharing the gospel. And here's the, the last question. Why does it even matter? Why one? What difference? We Remember the, the, all the sand that we talked about a few weeks ago? The lostness, like Tom said, it's just it's so vast. There's so many, seven, over seven billion people in the world and the majority of them are lost. What difference does one make? Here's a few, a few reasons why it matters. One, the Bible says that heaven rejoices at the salvation of one person. If heaven rejoices over one, then we need to reach at least one. You know what that means? You think about that. Brian, when you ran up here and you tackled me and you gave your life to Jesus, heaven shouted and thanked God he got saved. When Timmy and Brittany came up, and I could point out so many others, heaven rejoiced because one person came to Jesus Christ. Another reason that one mattered to Jesus I believe if you were the only person left in this world, Jesus would still come and die on the cross for your sins so you could have eternal life with God. One matter to Jesus over the 99. It means one soul that doesn't have to go to hell. Now you don't hear a lot about hell in churches anymore, but it's still a very real place. 
If you don't believe that, turn to the book of Revelation. It talks a lot about that lake of fire and gives you plenty of gory details. I assure you, hell is real and it's not a place that you want to go. And if we can keep one person from going there, then we've done a very good job. The last reason is why one matters is the one that you reach may reach thousands or millions or even billions. For example, Andrew goes and tells Peter about Jesus. He brings Peter back to Jesus. Day of Pentecost, Peter gets filled with the Holy Ghost and he begins to preach the Word of God and he preaches a message that draws 3,000 people to Jesus Christ in a single day. Think about the countless thousands that came to Christ through the preaching of Billy Graham. Actually, I read this week that uh, some 2.2 billion people heard the gospel from his mouth, either through television or radio. 2.2 billion people heard the gospel from one man. Well, guess what? That all started with one man named Mordecai Ham going to these little towns around North Carolina and the southeast preaching the word of God faithfully. And little Bill Frank came in and gave his heart to Jesus one night and became the greatest evangelist in world history, reaching more people than the Apostle Paul even. Your one can make a difference. Let's put it in another context. Just about as bad as lostness would be the epidemic of cancer. How many people have somebody close to them that is suffering or has suffered with cancer? Just about everybody. Think about this. What if, what if you had the cure for cancer? The cure. It was given to you, and you could give it to anybody you wanted to. Man, how fast would you run to take it to somebody that you love? Would you go to Donnie and say, Donnie, you've got to take this, man, so you don't have that cancer anymore. You don't have to deal with it. Would you go up the road and say, Marty, we've been praying for you, but here's the cure, man. If you take this, you'll be well forever. If we were so concerned about a person's life, what about a person's soul? We've got the cure for the greatest plague that has ever bothered mankind. We've got the remedy for death itself. And we're not running to give it to people. Mm. I'm walking on my toes this morning too. Don't feel bad. But what are we willing to do? How far are we willing to go to see one person, just one person, come to Jesus Christ? Who's your one? Stay with us as we close. I'm asking all the Christians in the room today to make a commitment. As we go through this, make a commitment to identifying praying for, and going after your one. I'll go with you. We'll work together. I'd love to see everybody in this room drag one person across the stage on Easter morning. I don't mean drag them. Celebrate with them. A changed life. A changed eternity. Let's pray. Father, Lord, right now we give this time to you. 
Lord, I pray that you would make the burden for lost people so real. Because those of us that know you, God, we were once lost. And we know what it's like to experience the new life. To have security knowing that we're going to heaven someday. We know what it feels like, God, to be forgiven of all of our sins and all of our transgressions. To have that peace. God, all the guilt's washed away. And God, we need to share that with other people. And God, there's people in this room this morning that they are somebody's one already. God, there's people standing in this room that if they died today, they'd go to hell. And today, they need to make the choice to come to Jesus. So Lord, we're asking if the Holy Spirit began to prompt people's hearts. God, I pray that your Spirit would come to this place and convict us and lead us closer to Jesus. God, we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.